0: All right, well, there we go, well, good morning again, welcome, welcome to the firehouse church, thanks for joining us this morning, good um, morning, good morning. Uh, let 's see before we get started, we have another maybe another special announcement, or i 'd like to just introduce some special guests with us here this morning as well and we already welcomed the alternatives uh, ministry, but there 's a, a, a young couple with us here uh, this this morning that uh, they, they mean a lot to me and, and probably to a lot of you as well but um, if you guys we' just give a warm welcome to John and Carol Meyer. if you guys't mind standing up for us. Right Yeah. You know, I realized that uh in, in a lot of ways, this is a special Sunday for me and uh, as it relates to the Myers as well. Um, John, as some of you know, is a pastor up in the church in Fort Collins there. Um, some of you church, which uh, was the church from which uh, our team was sent out. And so uh, John and Carol have been there for a number of years. I think uh, three or four. Three or four. Yeah, three or four. But uh, I do remember, I have times of remembering when uh, some of you in Fort Collins met in a hotel up there, Holiday End, you know, and I don't know if the Holiday Inn was as good as the Ramada was to us, but uh, I think the Holiday Inn was probably better. But, uh, um, but anyways, um, you know, I, I was thinking, thinking of John. You know, I've got a verse. i think of John and, and Carol as well. But it's just uh, this one in Hebrews thirteen seven that just says this. It says, uh, "Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith." And and I just, John has a special place in my heart and Carol as well, but it was uh, it just dawned on me that it was about uh, 15 years ago this morning that uh, I heard a message about putting my trust in Jesus Christ and knowing for sure I could have a watertight faith and go to heaven. And uh, after the message that John Meyer did 15 years ago, it was January 28th, but... uh I went home and placed my trust in Christ and my life has never been the same. And I've been blessed to just, uh, also to, to see John and Carol and their faith and, uh, you know, see what, a, what an example, what a high bar has been set for us to imitate faith like theirs. And, and that's, in you know, a lot of ways, um, we are here planting a church because there was a time where they, they headed out in faith to start a church in Fort Collins. And it started off small and um, you know maybe not too different than this. And so it's just a blessing to see the faith of those that have been teaching us the word and, and gone ahead of us in faith here. And so we just, again, have a very special guests with us here this morning. Thank you guys for joining us. We're going to go ahead and pray here we're going to continue uh, with part two of uh, something we started last week just related to our faith, to um, the faith equation, you know, we'll review that and we'll see some things that might help, uh, take a look at some things that might help grow and strengthen our faith here this morning, but let's, uh, let's pray just one more time here. Oh Lord Jesus, it is uh, just wonderful to come together with your people and to worship you and just to sing about who you are and we're so thankful for your love for us. And God, um, we could just spend uh, forever just meditating and responding to your love, Lord. And I just pray that you would help us to see some of the ramifications of your love for us of how we can respond to you with our love. That your love has never been questioned, uh, but it is But our love, Lord, that needs to grow. And God, also in response to your love, we can have faith. We can trust our loving Father. And Lord, I just pray this morning You would open our eyes to see uh, more about You, to see You through Your Scriptures and through Your Holy Spirit. I just ask that You would be magnified in our eyes. Lord, You, you are the same. You are great and infinite God in so many ways, and, um, but yet we are hard of seeing sometimes, Lord. And I just pray You would, uh, through Your Word, through Your Spirit, even through me, that You would be magnified that we could see You better here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, we're going to quick review uh, what we talked about last week. This faith equation here, and um, also we're going to the first passage we're going to look at. You can get your Bibles ready here. It's page uh, nine sixty two. If you have a house Bible uh, under your chair, there, feel free to turn there with me. Um, and it's uh, page nine sixty two. It's Matthew eight. And verse 5 is where we're going to do the first verse we'll, we'll look at and we'll read. But first we're going to do a review of... Um the faith equation. And, you know, again, like we talked about last week, this equation is not uh, it's not something Jesus forgot. It's not some equation he left out in his teachings that somehow uh, we stumbled across it at the firehouse. But it does seem to be an equation that reflects uh, some of Jesus' teaching and his dealings with people here on earth and their faith. And how many of you, maybe before we pull up this first the equation, how many of you can remember the equation? It's not that E equals M C squared one we talked about. Um, Anyone remember? Dave Cronin, yes. Uh, J C times Y F equals R. Yeah, J C times Y F equals R. Very good and awesome. Give Dave a round of applause. (laughs) So we're going to look at some of those, and you know we have it flipped around here, but it says the same thing. But we just talked about how so many times Jesus said your faith, your faith brought something about, something amazing, something miraculous, and it was not just their faith in and of itself, and uh, you know just they willed it into existence, but their faith. In Jesus and in what God in the flesh could do. Um, It brought about some results that were pretty awesome in the stories we looked at last week. And we asked each one of us just to evaluate what's going on in our lives right now. When you look at the, the R, the results of your faith, you can kind of extrapolate what's going on over here. Your faith times God, what's happening? What's happening that's... Supernatural that's beyond what you would expect to happen just in normal life, you know, and uh, that's a pretty challenging question. Uh, We do have the the variables there. The result of our faith is equal to your faith times what God can do. And we have some stories that we looked at there. But um, when it comes to this equation, you know, there's only so many things we could do here. You know, we could. um, How many of you would like to see greater results in your life from God doing something beyond what could happen on its own? How many of you would like to? All of us, I think, right? We'd all like to see those results increase here. We'd like to see more of God in action, the the God and the power of heaven at work here on earth. But when you look at the other side of the equation and how we're going to bring that about, you know there's really only two variables we have to work with there. We can either somehow make God bigger, Um, you know, we're going to adjust His power or something like that. And I think we could all agree we're probably not going to do that. But the the variable that we can work with is this one here about our faith. And we can maybe increase that to the level that, uh, that that times what God is able to do brings about awesome and amazing results in this world that would not otherwise be. And, and so that's what we're going to talk about. Really some ways to increase this part here. And again, we talked about last week that the your faith part of the equation doesn't have to be that big. You know, the disciples said, Jesus increased our faith and he told them the story about the mustard seed. You know, and so I think his point was that it's not how gigantic your faith is, it's just a little bit, uh, even the size of a mustard seed, combined with what God can do can bring about great results. Um, but Jesus also had several times where he rebuked people for their faith being too little. So somehow when you measure little, there's like little the size of a mustard seed and there's little like the size of you can't cast out that demon because your faith is too small, he said to his disciples, you know. And so we want to see how we can grow our faith to be not too little, but uh, maybe closer to that mustard seed here. And so this morning we just have four, four steps that we're going to look at to strengthen your faith. Um, and the first one is just simply this. Uh, Be humble to increase your faith You know um, You might write down To have a great faith You must have a great humility And we're going to look at some stories That would show us this Um, So again Matthew 8 And verse 5 I'm just going to look at this Story of uh, The faith of the centurion here. You know it's interesting That there's only Two people that I'm aware of In all the gospels Two people that Jesus said Wow you have great faith and one other time where he said to a person, you have great faith. And we're going to look at those two stories real quickly here and see how they might rub off on us and what they believed about God and maybe we would adopt those as well, um, those beliefs. But I'm just going to read parts from this one here, um, starting in verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I tell this one, Go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And then it goes on and it finishes up in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. But Jesus just uh, commended this man for a great faith. And and that's for sure. And You know, there's different things we're going to pull out of this, this passage this here. But one of them that I think we need to catch in some ways is just the centurion had a... I think a great humility. You know, he was to the point of saying, "Lord, you know." Jesus said, "Hey, I'll go to your house and I'll heal your servant." He said, "I'm not even worthy to have you come to my house. Just don't even go there. You don't want to see the place. You don't want to, you know, set foot off your path. You know, of God's will to come to my place. Just say the word, and it'll happen." Um, but I, I'm just struck by his humility that he he saw himself. Um, Small And his worthiness, he saw as little to have this happen, but he saw Jesus as great. And to have, you know, humility... Um, let me see here. He's got this one here. Just say the word. We're going to look at another um, passage as well, but one of the things, when it comes to humility... need to have a great view of God, what He can do, and a small view of yourself and what you can do or what you're worthy of doing. I think if you could throw in another factor here as well, it might just be a... I think Tim Cavanaugh mentioned it at his teaching at Faith Walkers, but a a great view of God, but a great view of your need for God. I think sometimes we can... uh, Maybe we have a great view of God. We think God is infinitely powerful. Maybe we have a small view of ourselves. You know, I'm less than a worm and I'm unworthy... Um, but see, a great view of God and a little view of yourself, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean any needs are getting met by the God, um, the God of the universe here, you know, and that we need to see our need. We had, I think of that verse in a Revelation that talks about the church that said, we are rich and we need nothing. In you know, a lot of ways in the United States we can say, hey look, I've got a great God and I'm so insignificant and things are going pretty good. I don't need anything. Well, that's not going to generate the faith that Produces results like we want you a face, like the centurion had he felt a need uh, that pressed him to his knees before before Jesus there and then God brought about some miraculous results there but we need to see God a big view of God maybe a small view of ourselves and then maybe see our need more clearly as well but we're going to look at the second person who um who Jesus said had great faith. This is the only other one I know of. I could be wrong. I could get out the Bible gateway and and do a search on that. Sometimes these two people are referred to in the different Gospels, and so it could be the same story twice. But uh, Maybe you can turn with me real quick to this story uh, of this woman here. Um, And it's in Matthew 15, and the page number is uh, 971. Page 971, the faith of the Canaanite woman. And this is, some of you probably know this story. In some ways it can be a little bit confusing or perplexing. We're just going to take a little look at it. But Matthew 15, verse 21, it says, "...Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman came from that vicinity. Let's see, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, "...Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession." Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, "'Send her away! She keeps crying out after us!' He answered, "'I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel.' The woman came and knelt before him. "'Lord, help me!' she said. He replied, "'It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs.' "'Yes, Lord,' she said, "'but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table.' And Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. And again, Jesus commends her for her great faith and we're going to talk a little more about what what was her faith. What was so great? What did she actually believe? But the thing that stands out to me as well that's a a pretty big deal that that wasn't even the, the focus of his lesson there was what, what a humility she had. She, uh, she came to Jesus. You know, if you see what's going on here, this woman was not uh, from the people of Israel. She was not a Jewish woman. She was a Canaanite woman. And as some of you know, the Canaanites were the people that Joshua and, and God's people were to uh, remove from the land, the promised land. But it happened that some of them did not get removed and, and they, you know, lived on. And, um, but they were really, really looked down upon by the Jewish people. And so this woman is there, and you know the disciples are like, "Shoo, shoo, get away from here! Um, you know, don't mess with Jesus. He's, he is, you know, the son of David. He's the Jewish uh, Messiah, the Messiah from the Jewish, you know, um, people." And so they tried to send her away, and he, Jesus himself, says, "Hey, look, I was only sent for the lost sheep of Israel." And the woman came and knelt and said, "Lord, help me." And then he even says, "It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs." What does that mean? You know, and, and in the eyes of Jewish people at the time, someone of a Canaanite background would be considered a dog in, in compared to the Jewish people. You know, now I, I don't exactly think Jesus was saying, "Hey, look, I think you're a dog compared to these people." You know, he phrased it like this. He said, um, "You know the." It's not right like to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. I think the Jewish people did think of the Canaanites as dogs. Um, but she said, she was like, I don't care, call me a dog. At least the dog gets the table scraps from under the table from their master. And just what a humility is that. You know, it's, it's, I just can't even imagine it. She, she would just say, Hey, look, I don't care. Call me a dog. Call me whatever you want. I'm not worthy of this. But I believe you can do this anyways. Um, and... You know, in some ways, I think, wow, people can say, well, that's really harsh words. Jesus is supposed to be nice. He's like God, uh, God is love and love in the body, and he's supposed to be nice, but he, he called this woman a dog, you know. And I don't think that's what he was exactly doing, but I do think that the words that he said, said to her, it kind of set like the showcase for this woman to rise up and show her character, show her humility, show her faith. Um, and she did, and, and I think she still shines. Her character still shines from that to today, you know. And But but anyways, the two people that were known and commended for having great faith, I'd also say you could argue they had a great humility about them. And how's that going in your life? How's your humility doing? You know, do you, do you have a, a great view of God and a great view of yourself? You know, why shouldn't God bless me? I'm a pretty good person. Or maybe you have a... You know, not such a great view of God, but you're really down on yourself. I am so unworthy. I'm so terrible. Well, that's not going to generate faith either. It's a combination of a great view of God and a small view of yourself and maybe a great view of your need that it presses you to find that need met in a way that, that no one else can, in a way that uh, not, nothing else can bring about the result that you want. You know. But we need to all probably think about growing in our humility. Um, the next step we're going to talk about here is just uh, we can grow our faith. by just start by being honest with where we are at. Many of you know the story here of um, uh, it's Mark 24 about uh, I think it's a man who was trying to uh, have his son healed. We can look there real quickly here. Mark 24, 924. Uh, I'll just turn it flip there if you get there. and read along with me. Um, that is page 1000. So, um, we will just read a few verses right around here. But it says, um, Jesus asked the boy's father, verse 21, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And... You know, I think there's an awesome example for us. So he had faith that Jesus could do this, but he also said, you know what? I also have some doubts about this. Maybe he doubted Jesus' willingness or his ability to do this, but he said, I do believe. Something in me says, I do believe you can do this. And there's something else that's going on. I, I Help me overcome my unbelief. It's trying to strangle what I do believe. And, and we know the results. Jesus went on and said... Um, And Jesus brought about a miraculous result there. But this man, he, he had some faith, and maybe it was a small faith, but he was also honest. Hey, there's, I'm wrestling with some other things here. And he just got honest about it. Um, and I think we could probably all start there in our faith. You could take a look at the results you're getting in your equation, your, your equation of life, and look at your faith and what God is able to do and see what sort of results are going on. And maybe a good place to start is, God, you know, I believe great things about you. I believe my unworthiness, but... I just haven't been seeing any results besides what I could get on my own and working hard and keeping a faithful routine. and um, But a good starting place for each one of us is going to be getting honest. What are we seeing going on right now and what do we want to see going on? Uh, I think this guy was a great example to us on that. Um, another thing, we're going to look at step three here in strengthening our faith is... Um, is feed your faith. You know, um, I'd say there's... We're going to look at some things here, but um, if you want to strengthen your faith, you have to feed it. You might put a, a, in parentheses, uh, feed your faith. You might also starve your fears at the same time. Feed your faith but starve your, your fears. Jesus often spoke to people when it came to faith. He said, don't be afraid, just believe. Why did you, you have little faith, why did you doubt? You know, there's always this uh, t- talking about strengthening your faith. Hold on to your faith and stop doubting. Get rid of your fears, your worries. He constantly said, don't worry. Don't be afraid. And it's not like we do both. We can feed my faith and I'm going to cuddle all my fears that I've had all my life. We're going to have to strangle those fears, those doubts that might nag you and bolster your faith by feeding it. And, you know, a couple ways that I think about my faith that That's why God has taught me some ways to think about my faith that I can try to practically feed it and grow it. um, Two questions are um, when it comes to my faith is, do I believe God is able? Is God able to meet this need? Is God able to do this thing I'm asking for, I'm in need of? Is He really able? And Jesus engaged with people on this question. Um... This The story we just read about this guy being honest. You know, he said, um, how long has he been like this? He answered, it's often thrown him into the fire. And I uh, like this line here, you know. This guy saying, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus, I love his response. You know, you might not catch it, but it might have been a little bit sarcastic. I don't know, but he's kind of like this guy saying, hey, if you can do anything, and Jesus like, If you can do anything, like, I'm God in the flesh, I've been healing everyone, and you're asking me if you can do anything to help out here. And he's like, what? If I can do anything, everything is possible for one who believes. And I think this guy had a question on what Jesus was able to do. Hey, look, I don't know if, he, if you're able to do this. Um, and Jesus clarified. He was able. He helped him overcome his unbelief, but he, he did do this for him. Um, another place where it's maybe even more clear on his God, Abel, um, is this section where he was dealing with these, um, these blind men here. Um, let me see. We can look at this as well. Um, or it's, it's Mark nine twenty-one through 23. Oh, no, wrong passage there. Um, it's Matthew 9, 28 through 30, but I'll just read that to you here. It says, When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. But Jesus asked them, He got to the heart of the question, maybe for them, was, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you think God is able? come through for you when you have faith do you think he's really able to do it and that might be a question you wrestle with and that's one that they obviously wrestled with that they won maybe the wrestling match and they believed he was able to you know I think sometimes this phrase here that's according to your faith let it be done to you you know in some ways you look at that faith equation it, it kind of says that hey according to your faith let it be done to you you don't think you know what if they said no I don't think you're actually able to do this you said okay It's not going to be done for you, according to your faith, you know, and they wouldn't have probably gotten any results out of that, but if Jesus said this to you and I, according to your faith in this situation, it will be done for you. What would happen right now? Anything good? Anything at all? It did for them. But there's another question we can wrestle with as well. is Not only is He able, but is God willing to do something here? Is He really willing to help me out? And again, this, uh, this question might be showcased a little bit in Jesus' interaction with this leper here. A man with leprosy knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. You know, this guy believed that Jesus could do it. His question was... Would you be willing to? Would you want to? Would you do that for me? And and Jesus answered him. You know, Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter one, adds also the phrase in there. Moved with compassion, Jesus said, "I am willing." You know, he had a compassion for this leper whose skin is you know falling off. Who, who this guy probably smelled bad, looked bad, felt disgusted with himself. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He said, I can't, I I am willing. I'm willing to help you. Jesus has that same compassion today if we would believe it, you know. Um, And for me, when I look at these two questions, uh, is He able or is He willing? You know, the one I wrestle with more is not the, is he able? I, I believe he's able to do anything. I think of, uh, you know, the verse was shared in prayer this morning, Matthew nineteen twenty six, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. All things that are in line with God and his character are possible. But to me the question is, is he willing? Yeah, it's possible with God, is this possible? I just don't know if he wants to do this. I think He wants me to be stuck in this situation. I think He wants me to wrestle. This is my cross to bear in life. I just don't know if He really, really wants to help me out. And, and we've got to square those away. And the point I'm saying is feed your faith. These are two areas we really probably need to feed our faith. And we feed it, obviously, one of the ways is just by feeding ourselves on God's Word. What does God's Word show us, reveal to us about what God is able to do and what He's willing to do? And, you know, there's different ways that, you know, one of the verses you can write down on this is just Romans 10:17 17. It says, Faith comes with hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. God's Word has the ability to give you faith, to strengthen your faith. You know, if you go, well, I believe God's willing. I think He loves me so much. He's willing. I just don't think He's able to anymore. That was like back in the first century. Or, you know, you think, okay, He's... He's able to do everything, I just I just don't think he wants to. I think you know, I don't think he loves me enough to help that area of my life meet that need. But we can feed on his word. And these areas And a couple of specific facets of his word I think we can feed on related to is he able and is he willing. One is that we can feed on the commands of God. You know, anywhere you find something that God has called us to do, any command He's given us to, you better believe He's got He's able to help us do that and He's willing to help us do it or He wouldn't have given us the command in the first place. That would be cruel to say, go and do that and you're, you're on your own. Good luck, you know. But no, He says, all authority has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations. He has everything we need to obey His commands. Maybe you're struggling with some area of your life. You go, I just I just can't grow in that area. I just don't have the faith. to. Well, if He's commanded you to, you should realize you've got everything you need. You might just have to do some repentance, some attitude adjustment. He's able to help you. He's willing to help you because it's what He's called you to, whether it's a holy and pure life, whether it's overcoming whatever fears or doubts you're facing. You know, He's commanded us, don't be afraid. Just believe um, over and over again. And so, another place we can feed our faith is His commands and, and His promises. He's given us so many promises that we can claim and apply to our situations. Now, we, we can't just, you know, kind of uh, just randomly take some promise that has nothing to do with it's not pulled out of context, it's not applied properly. But there's promises that are clear cut things that God says, Hey, look, with me all things are possible. Or, you know, um, I think of this, I am willing. Well, There's promises that He tells us He's willing to do. You know, God, I think of uh, Philippians 4.19 is one of the favorite ones I claim to when in need, financially, when in need of His grace. You know, it says, um, My God will supply all your needs according to His glorious riches. My God will supply all your needs. He's willing to do that for you, to meet your needs. Um, Another facet we can, you know, feed on related... from God's word is His commands, His promises, and the very character of God. What does the Bible say God is like? You know, the Bible is God's revelation of Himself to us. A lot of people write a lot of books, have a lot of thoughts and opinions of what God can do, what He's like, what He's willing to do, all sorts of things. But the Bible is God's revelation to you and I of who He is and what He's willing to do and what He's able to do. And we need to... Receive it like that. It has an authority about what He is really like. When we see, you know, one of my favorite passages is from the Old Testament where God reveals Himself to Moses and He says, you know, here's who I am, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet He does not leave the guilty unpunished. God says of Himself, Hey, I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. My love abounds. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. I'm willing to forgive. God is gracious, you know. Maybe one question for you to wrestle with is, how gracious do you think God is? And may it be done to you according to what you believe about Him. Maybe you don't think God's very gracious. Maybe you think God is stingy. Yeah, God gives grace to those other people. Well, you know, maybe Jesus would say, hey, you believe that? Fine have the results you're going to get from that but I don't know about you I don't want to be stuck in that and I, I'm trying to grow this in my, myself just what is God willing to do what has he said he wants to bring about what are the needs that I have that he's promised he can meet what is his very character because you know as we wrap up here you know I would like to just go back and draw our attention to the Roman centurion and the Canaanite woman you know what did the Roman centurion believe he said you have great faith what did that centurion believe Anyone, we can be interactive here now if you want to. Oh. What? And, and therefore, what? He was God and could do whatever he wanted to do. You know, and uh, for the Roman centurion, it kind of the perspective he had was, "Hey, look, I understand authority. I got authority. You tell me go, I go. I tell people go, they go." And he had a sense that Jesus was God in the flesh, and therefore, he had authority over everything in creation. That Roman centurion believed that Jesus had the authority to just say the word and there would be this ripple effect throughout a creation until it landed on that guy's servant and that person was healed. That's what that centurion believed. God is able because He's got all authority. Ah, we could learn from that, couldn't we? God has all authority in this creation. You know, we see it throughout the scriptures. He's got authority over waves and the wind. He's got authority over the cells in a body. He's got authority over... Sins and things unseen, demons, and and things like that. But but what do you think God is able to do? Because um, that's what that Roman centurion believed, and it brought about things amazing. What about the Canaanite woman? It said she has great faith. What do you think was at the core of her faith? What did she believe about God? I think she believed that God was so gracious that he would even help this unworthy dog have a miracle from God. He's so gracious. She knew she was not of the people of God. All the promises are for God's people. She knew, look, I'm not in that category of people who deserve your action here. But she knew that he was so gracious he would even help someone like her. And he said, your faith is great. I think she believed in the graciousness of the God who was in the flesh before her there. You know, how gracious do you think? God is how compassionate do you think God is today sometimes we read these stories and go yeah Jesus must have been really compassionate then but nowadays you know he sits up way high in heaven and he didn't really care about that stuff Well, I think there's people today who believe that Jesus still has compassion today that Jesus is still gracious in this century in this day and age Um, and those people that believe that I think are probably seeing God do more than, than those who don't. And my hope is that each one of us finds ourselves believing these things about God, that we get His, His help in our needs, that we get His hand in our work and it's not just, you know, we're just working hard, doing what we could have done with or without praying to God. And I want to be a church full of people like that. You know, I just want to encourage you all. We're here in the middle of our building campaign. We're working on this warehouse. And in a lot of ways, that's a gigantic step of faith as a church. Financially, and now we're feeling it more and more on the labor side of that. That's a big deal. And, and yet, all these things are true. That Like the promise we shared this morning in the prayer meeting. This man, this whole project we're doing, this whole work as a church, trying to make disciples and reach um, the world with Christ. with man, that's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And God... Wants to help us here as we continue our work on the building, continue to provide the finances. He's shown us that he's, he's provided that what we need. And you know, um, but I just want to encourage you that you can trust God in all of your needs. You know, not just as a church in that project, but um, the next. The thing we're just going to wrap up here with is just an example, maybe to to look through in your own life. Here we have, um, we need to strengthen our faith by exercising our faith, and really exercising our faith comes back to applying these first three things we talked about. Um, you know, um, maybe in your own life, you can, let's see here. We'll look at these verses here. Have nothing to do with godless myths or old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. There's a train yourself. If you want to grow in faith, faith is definitely a facet of godliness, but you've got to train yourself. You've got to exercise in it. You know, it's not like, it's like, you know, if you're lifting weights, most of us realize we probably can't walk up to the bench press, put like three plates on each side, you know, plates as in the 45-pound things on each side, and we go, you know, I'm just going to pump this out. You know, it probably, if I did that, it would break my chest right away. Um, But we've got to exercise our faith. We've got to trust God for some some little things. If we want to move mountains, we might have to start with moving, you know, little hills or something. Um... But, but we need to exercise that. Another one is, um, you know, I think of this verse here that just says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait and expectation. We need to start exercising our faith. Maybe it's little things we come away with an expectation. Maybe it's just something small. You know, um, I think of the, you know, a phrase that says something like, um, Vague prayers get vague answers. You pray real vague in general. You know, just about anything turns up being an answer. I pray this morning, God will bless my day. Get to the end of the day. I'm alive. God must have blessed my day. You know, that's awesome, God. Thanks. But the more specific you get, the more faith is required when we ask for these things. And there's a chance that if God doesn't come through, you might get let down. But we need to start exercising little seeds of faith, you know, in some places you might just take a need in your life right now. What is the need? You know, what is it in your life? is it related to work is it related to relationships is it related to finances bring that need before God and start with these steps we talk about get humble before God about that need um, that he can meet it and you can't and maybe that the need's big enough that you're actually going to rely on him to meet it um, the next step maybe be honest about it maybe you know there's a need and you're trying to humble yourself and you go but I'm struggling with these doubts that that God really um Is able to do something like that, or that God loves me enough that He would do, He would respond to my prayers like this. You know, get to starve those fears and feed your faith. Start meditating on promises that might relate to that need, that situation. Um, But then, lastly, you know, we plant a seed of faith. It's like putting a specific request into God and waiting until He answers it. Waiting in expectation. But these are some things that I hope will. um, will help each one of us grow our faith that we can increase the your faith times your God equals glorious results is our hope Um, but it will be directly proportional to your faith in your God and um, I'm just praying that God grows me in this that I will have more and more Things that I'm placing before Him. I read some convicting things lately about Uh, George Mueller. Was a man of faith that some of you know. Was uh, he ran some orphanages in uh, in England? But uh, you know, I just read some statistics of some of the things that he trusted God for, and it was like. um, Let's see, it says, throughout his life, God never let him down. He was blessed with the funds to run and found Ashley Downs, which included five houses. God allowed him to establish 117 schools, train 123,000 pupils. Over the years, God enabled him to pass out 275,000 Bibles. And this, all this and more was donated without Mueller mentioning a single word to anyone but the Lord. As he neared uh, the latter years, He described his faith saying, I've never been permitted to doubt during the last 69 years that my sins were forgiven, that I am a child of God, that I am beloved of God, and that I shall finally be saved, because I am enabled by the grace of God to exercise faith upon the Word of God. And I believe what God says in those passages which settle these matters. Uh, I heard another place that said over his time of trusting God for these orphanages orphanages and things that uh the amount of money that he trusted God to provide through that time would calculate to like seven and a half million dollars, I think, uh came through his orphanage just through his prayer life. One thing I read later in his life, he said, You know, this morning I got up, planted a few seeds, you know, of faith there. And he said, This morning, I prayed for I asked God to come through on sixty things for me this morning. And and, you know, by the end of the day, he would just kind of be counting those things that God brought about. You know, how many things did you plant this morning before God and our waiting and expectation? I would guess each one of us is probably less than 60. but so maybe we can grow that throughout this week where we just have little things. We're going, God, could you come through for that? Could you help me with this? And over time, it'll grow. You know, um, he had a final quote that... Uh, Let's see, what's that I don't have here now? But um, basically he said many people would write to him and say, how how do I get a faith like you? And, you know, they just thought they could jump into it. And his point was, you need to exercise just a little bit of faith that you have. You need to feed on God's Word and you'll grow and it'll grow. You don't just like wake up one day and go, I'm going to trust God to provide $7 million and answer 60 miraculous things today. We need to start small is what he encouraged people to do and, and I think that's a good word to us all here but let's go ahead and pray and just ask God to grow our faith personally and as a church that we might see more glorious things brought about because of our faith in him let's pray Lord Jesus we do, um, we do just thank you for this time together Lord I pray that you would help each one of us to feed on your word to have uh, eyes of faith. I do pray that uh, your spirit would just magnify things us, so that we read, that we would see them more clearly. God, we are so hard of hearing, so hard of seeing. Help us to see who you really are today. God, you say that you've never changed, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think many of us believe you've probably changed since when these things were recorded by the apostles. God, help us to... Just grow in our faith, Lord. Please uh, feed us uh, as we read your word. God, starve out our fears. Help us to be more humble. God, help us to be more honest. Help us to start exercising our faith, even as we walk out of here today. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you guys for coming, and uh, we will see you next Sunday. Take care.